everyone. Welcome to the Cubs Weekly Podcast presented by Wintrust, proud legacy partner of the Chicago Cubs and exclusive home of Cubs checking. Open online today at Wintrust.com slash Cubs Weekly. I'm Andy Martinez, joined here by Tony Andraki. We've got a special podcast today. We've got former Cub, World Series champion Miguel Montero, stopped by with Tony Andraki at Cubs Con for an interview. Tony, it's great to catch up with him and tell, reminisce about his times, 2015, 2016, being around the team. What are some of your biggest takeaways chatting, chatting up with him? Yeah, it was great. And, uh, you know, Miggy's always just an awesome guy to talk to. Yeah. Like, I really enjoyed my time uh, covering him when he was here in 15, 16. And he talked just a little bit about, like, what he's been up to since baseball ended. He talked about his perspective getting traded here and what that was like for him, what he knew about the Cubs leading up to it. But, yeah, he's obviously the central figure in Cubs history, right, as, like, a guy who Ben Zobers got the game-winning hit in 16, but, like, he got the hit right after. Right. That ultimately ended up being the deciding run to drive that in. And he was he was the guy that coined the We Are Good hashtag in right. 2015. And it was something that Jed Hoyer even just recently referenced in, in regards to even the 2023 team and how that – that phrase just holds up, holds up over time. And it was something that Miguel Montero talked about in this podcast, in this interview that we had. So, um, you know, I know Cubs convention was a little bit ago, but it was something that we definitely wanted while we were there was to reminisce on some of these times with Miggy uh, to hear about how we are good originated to hear about some of these like great moments that all these Cubs fans nowadays will think back on fondly. And, and as they do, I mean, Montero is a central part of that. Like we said, you know, he had, he had big moments. He was a big part of the team. And before, you know, in 2015, Wilson Contreras wasn't even up yet. So it was Ross and Miggy were the two catchers, basically. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, he was just a big part of the greatest time in Cubs history, I'd say. You mentioned big moments. NLCS, probably no bigger moment than that in terms yeah. of his career. He talked about that. What was it like reminiscing on that and going through reliving that a little bit? Yeah, I, I was really excited to ask him about that Grand Slam. Uh, I think it was Joe Blanton, right, that he hit yeah. it off of. But that was... I mean, covering that game, that was like the loudest I had ever heard Wrigley Field. I literally thought that like the upper deck was going to come down. I happened to be like down the left field line pretty much by the foul pole because that's where the uh, auxiliary press box was. So like, but that, that was so loud. It was absolutely insane how loud Wrigley was at the time. Uh, And I think Fowler right after like hit a home run too and followed it up. But like Montero, that was the big blow that ultimately was a huge part of the Cubs even getting to the World Series that year. Obviously, the the big hit that he got in Game 7 in extra innings. But he also talked about his perspective of the rain delay speech, of what Mm -hmm. Jason Hayward said, of what he thought. His perspective of the final out as he was catching and he saw Chris Bryant's foot slip and he said he was petrified, which is kind of a funny word for him to use anyways. But, like, it was just cool to hear that from a guy that was here. And, like, we've gotten to chat to you know, Darwin Barney and, and Ted Lilly and some of these other guys that were huge parts of Cubs history. But Miggy was one of the only one was the only one we got from the Cubs convention that was there in 2016. And like the greatest moment in franchise history, but some of these big moments before it was. So it was, it was awesome to hear from him. And as always, he's just a super entertaining guy, a great guy to talk to. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's great to relive it. Like you mentioned, Darwin Barney, Ted Lilly, all these guys were great to reminisce and catch up on their time as a Chicago Cub. But it's totally different when you talk with Miguel Montero, who was part of the team that, that broke the curse, who was who, who won a World Series title. There's nothing quite like it. So let's not give away too much more. Yeah, yeah. Let's, let's get into the interview. Let's check it out. Tony with Miguel Montero at CubsCon earlier this year. 
All right, we're here with Miguel Montero. And Miguel, I haven't seen you since you were throwing batting practice at Wrigley Field. Uh, it was almost a year ago. It was right before opening day in 2022 season. I know Cole Wright mentioned it before opening ceremonies here, but can you tell us just a little bit about what that, how that came about for you and what that was like for you to throw batting practice on Wrigley Field? Uh, well, you know, like uh, it was cold, though. Yeah, so it was I very think, cold. I think it was easier for me to move and do something to stay warm. So, I mean, might as well just throw batting practice. And I'm just a baseball guy. I can't stay still. I got to do something. How'd you end up even there that day, like as the as kind of one of the faces and one of the personalities there? Uh, well, they, they invited me over, and I mean, I was available, and uh, why not? I mean, uh, you know, being with the Cubs, the Cubs was a great organization that uh, they did a lot of great things for us, uh, for my family. So, I mean, it's a, it's a way to kind of stay connected to the to baseball and connected to the organization, and uh, you know, it's a for me, it's an honor, everything that the cops do and be part of it, it's, it's an honor, and I'd be more than happy to, uh, to, to, to be there, though. I, so I took part in this. Some media members were allowed to, to take batting practice at Wrigley Field. So I hit first, and there were kids throwing before you, and they were struggling to get the ball over the zone a bit, which is not an excuse, by the way, because I went up there feeling all confident, played baseball my whole life. I was nervous, man. When I stepped in, I, I was like, ah, oh, you know, I'll probably hit a line in the outfield. I struggled to get out of the infield. Like, I was surprised by the nerves there. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's something that, uh, you know, it's hard, though. I, I, I get it. Yeah. I understand because uh, for me playing, uh, I've been to a couple of pro-ams, uh, golf pro-ams, and teeing it up. I mean, I've been playing in front of big crowds, especially winning the World Series and come up to hit and never feel nervous. And then going to tee it up a, a golf ball, I was just, I was petrified. I was petrified. I mean, I couldn't even put the ball in the tee because it was so shaky. I'm like, oh my God. So I feel you. I know how you felt. Uh, but you know, in the end of the day, uh, you had a good time, right? And that's oh, what it's absolutely. all about, though. So how were you never nervous during your playing career? And, and how did you deal with those, I guess? I mean, you, of course you're nervous, though. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, you know, nervous uh, is, is something good, you know, when, 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 when you, because you want to do good. Uh, but you know, how do you calm your nerves? How do you. You, you control it, and uh, so in the end of the day, it's a game of failure, though. So why you be afraid to fail? So for me, it was easy. It's like you know, like uh, you know, I'm, I, I would say nervous. I probably call it a little bit more excitement. You know, you're excited about the situation that you are on it right now, and how do you handle it? It's just like you know, like it's, it's not about the results. Yeah, of course we're gonna have a good results, but if you put pressure on get a good results, probably more likely than. You won't. So you just want to get there and do your best, and and whatever happened, happened. You know, it's a, like I say, it's a game of failures. So what else have you been up to since you retired? You said playing pro am, obviously throwing BP at Wrigley occasionally. Like, what? How do you spend your time a lot right well, now? Well, you know, uh, after that, I kind of started doing a little bit of agent side yeah. business, and as of right now, I stopped doing the agent and I got hired by the Diamondbacks. So I'm working with the Diamondbacks as a special assistant and player development. So I'm excited. I'm excited for the uh, new chapter in my career. Um, you know, it's a, it's a really good gig. I, I don't know much about it because <laughs> I just got the job about a month ago. So I'm kind of started getting, get the feel for it. So hopefully now that uh, on Monday, the instructional starts. So kind of go out there and see how things are going. And, but I'm excited. I'm excited for uh, the new role. I mean, uh, we're baseball players. That's all we know how to do. So. What's it going to be like for you to be on the other side of it then, you know, not as a player, but as a part of the front office? Is it going to be very different for you? Well, I don't know. I'm not looking that far ahead, though. Okay. I'm, I'm, I mean, like, for me, it's like a 
part of the front office, but I'm part of the field. Like, I want to be on the field, so I'll be working on the field with the guys, with the kids, and uh, I'll be probably just bouncing back whenever they want me to go. And uh, I don't know. I really don't know what uh, what the future's all, but I, I'm excited, and uh, I'll be more than excited to, like, you know, embrace what it is and, and, and see how it goes. And then when you first came here, when you were first traded here, what was – what kind of emotions went through your head knowing that you were going to join the Cubs and, and how much did you even know about the franchise and, and everything that they had been through or the city or the fan base? And then how has it kind of lived up to those expectations or those thoughts? Well, honestly, when I got traded over here, it was, uh, you know, playing against the Cubs a lot of times. Uh, even in 07, we went to the playoff against the Cubs. Uh, I knew the fan base was phenomenal. Uh, I knew uh, everything. The city is great. Uh, I just didn't know. The only thing I was a little concerned, I just didn't know how I was going to handle the day games. Because, you know, like it's a lot of day games. But, you know, after a week, I loved it. I, I actually didn't like the, the night games anymore. Okay. So for this organization, I mean, it's a, it's a great organization uh, from top to bottom. The Rickets are phenomenal ownership, and they, 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 they just do a great job. The families. Uh, and to be honest, I spent only like two and a half years over here, and I, and I feel like most of my career was here. Did you like the day games just because of it allowed you to, you know, see family or go out to dinner or like almost kind of be a little bit of a normal person and the history aspect of the, all the day games at Wrigley too, or what was it? I think it was just the, the, the office job, 9 to okay, 5, yeah. you know, so I think it was really easy, like, because after the game you can join the family going out for dinner and come back and go to bed at regular time, wake up at regular time. Night games is hard because you get back from the hotel to the game and you still, you know, the, the adrenaline is still going and you ended up going to bed at 1, 1.30 because, I mean, and and then, you know, it's, it kind of, everything just gets a little bit out of whack, but, like, uh, and I love I love the day games, uh, especially early in the year when it's so cold. At least you yeah. get a little bit of the sun, though. Yeah, that's absolutely true in March and April. Um, so when you were here in 2015, we know the catchphrase, we are good. You helped start that. I believe it started like during a rain delay in Cincinnati or something. You tweeted something. Was it, or like how did it originate? No, Can actually you... it was, uh, I think we had like uh, four or five games uh, losing streak. And uh, I was at the hotel and I, you know, I, I, we get all these tweets. And, and I remember just putting them like, hey, you know, like uh, this is really a, a really good group of guys. And... And I just put I just I just put the hashtag we are good because I really believed it though. I mean it wasn't just not making it up, but I really believed that we were really good though. And sure enough, I mean like we start getting hot, we start winning games, we start winning games, and you know after every tweet like I was do want to stay positive, we are good. And it just got it got really sticky out there, you know. What what's it like from a player to like have something like Twitter? you know, to be able to interact with fans and stuff immediately like that or to start a catchphrase like that. But then, you know, some of the early in your career, that wasn't necessarily a thing. And some of the other players, older players didn't have that. But what is it to be able to connect with players or sorry, with fans immediately as a player? Yeah, I mean, it could be dangerous both ways. You it know? could like, be, yeah. It could be dangerous because, uh, you know, when you, when you start reading a lot of comments, you know, I like it and uh, you don't want to tweet anything back. So, I mean, it's, it's just like he's a... He's, uh, kind of goes both ways it can help you and uh you know when you look at it in a positive way and it can help it can help you in a negative way so I wasn't really a big uh I'm not really a big uh, social media guy I was with a Twitter that time because you know like the fans got really we start interacting and it was everything everything was very positive and 
Why not? So it was, it was actually excited to get on Twitter and start tweeting a little bit. And, you know, obviously, like, you know, like, I wasn't, like I say, like, I wasn't on social media. Still not. Yeah. So I just not big deal for me anymore. So with that 2015 team, preseason projections were 82 wins for you guys. I know you guys throw those out the window a lot. They're, they don't necessarily mean anything. But to go on and win 97 games, and like you said, you guys knew in, internally that you were good. Did you guys think that you could be that good? And, and how did that confidence develop throughout the season to know, like, hey, we are a playoff team and we can compete with the top two teams in the division and, and go to the postseason and make some noise? I mean, honestly, like, I... It, it, Everything goes to such a good group. It was a, such a good group. The chemistry in the clubhouse was phenomenal. We had a really good group of guys and talented guys. And it was a really good combination of young guys, older guys, and, and, and the middle guys. You know, like it was, a, it was a really good combination of everything. And, uh, and I think that's, that's, uh, that's half a battle where you have a good chemistry going on. And, uh, you know, everything gets better when you win. And then you start winning and everything starts getting even better. Better chemistry, better everything, you know, and uh, I feel like we, we, we support each other so well that we were invincible, invincibles pretty much. So. And then catching Jake Arrieta, you were in some ways like his personal catcher that year. You caught him more than anybody else by a wide margin. What was it like being behind the plate for that just phenomenal run that he was on? I mean, it was really the best pitching that we've any of us have probably ever seen like live and in person or just in our lifetime with how amazing he was. It was easy though. For him, it was no scouting report needed. It was it was uh, literally like you didn't need anything. Like every every time he took the mound, I, I in my mind it was like no heater alert. It was uh, it was uh, he was that nasty though. It was a guy that I didn't want to face him. So I mean that guy was just it was no fair though. Like yeah. even the other heaters would say it. I uh, I mean. I don't say it was me or the other way. Like anyone who catches it, he You're didn't just need, he, down signals. Yeah, he yeah. didn't need any. It wasn't about the catch. It was about him. He, he was just solid. How did that confidence and kind of bravado factor into the rest of you guys? Because speaking of Twitter, I remember his tweet before the wildcard game, and it was like, you know, just know like it doesn't matter and all that kind of stuff to Pirates fans. But how did that filter into the rest of the team, knowing that you have this alpha that's going to go out and shove, and then he did every time? I mean, it's, it's hard not to when you have a year like that, though, you know? It's yeah. hard not to when you when you dominate the whole entire six months of the year, though. So, I mean, we felt good going in with Jake. We we felt really good. So, we, we at that point, we're feeling confident that we're going to win the game. But and then we had another big guy out there, you know, which is uh, uh, Cole, though. So, it was... Cole wasn't, it was, he was nasty, but it's still probably a little bit unmature at the time. He was still pretty young, so we liked our chances. And, and you know, the best thing was, uh, best thing is that we, we, we lead off the game with a homer by Schwab, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah. It was one nothing right away, like in the first inning or something like that. So it kind of gave us a little breather to, give us a little room, so it was, you feel a little better when you won nothing and you got Jake Arrieta on the mound.
And then, you know, obviously 2015 didn't quite end up the way you guys wanted. We all know the next year did, but how did that carry over? And, you know, when Dex comes back in spring training and you guys see him show up in, in the spring of 2016 and you know that you guys were able to retool a bit, add Jason Hayward and Ben Zobris and stuff like that, like what kind of confidence did you guys have going into that 2016 season as a clubhouse? I mean, we were we were feeling pretty confident. Right? We, were, we were feeling sexies out there. Though. Yeah. So... We, I mean, obviously having uh, Dexter is a big piece of all uh, the, the organization, the team, and uh, you know, like I say, you know, they put uh, they put the right pieces. Tio did good. Tio and Jet did the right thing. They put the right pieces together because then they brought uh, Sobris, which is a great teammate, great leader. They brought uh, J.A., which is a great teammate, great leader, great player. Uh, you know, unfortunately, things didn't really went the way he wanted it to go, but. I won't take anything away. I would have signed him again, you know, because he did. He helped the team to stay together, connected. So even with those anticipation in the off season, the team was even more connected than the year prior. And knowing how far we got a year prior, and having those guys now, the team is so much better. I mean, there's no way we're gonna lose this thing. So you mentioned Jason Hayward, and we obviously just talked to him even recently as he kind of ended his Cubs career. He talked a little bit about that rain delay speech. It, it's probably the thing he is most famous for as a Cub. What was your perspective during that speech and, and how Jason's words resonated with you in that moment? Well, you know, Jason was having a, a tough tough year. Overall, he was having a rough year, you know. Uh, and, and, and I was there. I've been there. You know, my the first year of my contract, I was the same thing. You know, we're trying to do too much. You know, people think that... Uh, as a player, when you sign your deal, you don't care anymore. No, you do care even more because you want to prove to everybody that you deserve that money. And he was carrying it over, you know, he wanted to do more and more. And I remember having that conversation with him before that. I'm like, hey, man, just don't worry about it. Like, I know that you you got a lot of pressure, but like that rain delay thing was like, probably was something that he had on his chest for a while. And it was a perfect time to say it, whatever he said. I can't even remember what he said because I was, uh, I was just kind of geared up, ready to go too. So, you know, I came in, I think I came in right after that to the game. So, but yeah, I mean, he, he just like the whole team was so connected. It was no way we were going to lose. So your hit in game seven or your grand slam in NLCS, which do you get asked about more? Or maybe which do Cubs fans Probably talk the to homer. you about? The homer. Because that's what I feel like I've heard more about is like, fans who talk about remembering that moment and I remember covering it that was I thought Wrigley Field like the press box was going to like collapse that was the, one of the loudest times I'd ever heard Wrigley was that grand slam that you hit against the Dodgers yeah but you know what I found it most difficult people talk about it you know the hit and the homer for me the, the most difficult thing was catching yeah the bottom of the ninth inning with the game tie I mean I haven't caught one inning in the World Series I really don't have any feel for the other hitters so for me to come catch which I know if you make the Minimum mistake, we can lose the World Series right there. It was a lot of pressure. I, I was like, man, you know, like, uh, I honestly was like, it was the most demanding thing in my career, just the, those two innings of the game seven behind the play. Because, I mean, like I say, I, I, I got to catch Chairman where he just give it up, and it comes to the top of the order. I'm like, you know, I don't like my ads. And for me to come to catch and losing the game, it was going to be probably, I'll be devastated for the rest of my life if that would have happened. So you're more proud even of the two innings you caught yeah. rather than even the hit, you know, that led to the eighth run in, the, in game seven or even the grand slam. Yeah. Interesting. I mean, okay. the homer you like, I mean, it's something that's going to sure. stick to your life. But, like, as a catcher that you take so much pride about calling the game and calling good game and carrying it, I feel like those two innings were really, really important uh, uh, for the team and for me because, I mean, 
like I say, I didn't catch one inning in the World Series until that point. So it's like. It's a lot of pressure. It's yeah. a lot of pressure. So going back to that homer, you know, in the NLCS, like going up into that spot, did you think that there might be a pitching change on the other side or Joe might make a move and, and pinch at you or whatever else? Like what was kind of going through your head going up to that moment? And where? It, it, the, the NLCS Grand Slam that okay. you hit. Um, you know, going up to that, like, what was kind of going through your head? Was the situation in your head? Like, how did you deal with that pressure? We were talking earlier about not getting nervous. Like, how did you go through all of that emotion? Well, I mean, I was, uh, I came in to hit, and uh, honestly, like, I just have two epidurals in the morning. So, uh, at this point, I shouldn't even be there. Shouldn't even be in the roster. So, my, my, my chances to succeed was really, really, like, 1% or maybe 0.5%. So I was just like, you know, like just, just try to put the ball in the barrel, just try to make contact and get something, make something happen. I mean, but do not strike out. So I, I was like, you know, excited and, you know, pressure and everything because, you know, at the point I'm old too, I don't want to strike out. So that's when I told myself, I'm like, you know what, just, just put them in play. Whatever happened, happened. Just put them in play. And I, I, that's what happened, you know, when you didn't try to do too much and, just put a good swing on it, and uh, the rest will take care of itself. Can you explain for those of us who have never had a big hit in the in baseball, in professional baseball at all, what it's like to hit a grand slam in that moment, or like we said, the game seven hit to, to stand on first base or to round the bases? Can you just even explain what that's like in words, the feelings that go through you in those moments? You know what? Like uh, honestly, I couldn't. I couldn't really. I don't know. I couldn't even digest it for like three days. I was like, I went to bed. I went to bed that night, and I still. I was like, man, what did just happen? Yeah. What did just happen? Like, I'm running the bases. I'm like, oh my god. What, what I mean, like seriously, like, and and especially it was a rough year for me though, because I was you know like, oh no, 200. I didn't really had a good year, and then I hitting 200 to not be playing at all, and and then you know like come up with a big hit which. Maybe I wasn't even supposed to be in the playoff roster, and then I ended up being in the playoff roster. So it was a, it was a, it was something that I learned there that you can't never give up. You can't let off the gas, and it was a tough time. And ended up just like having okay September and carried it over to October. And but yeah, I mean I still thinking about it, and I'm like, I don't even like to watch like the those clips like the YouTube and all that with the the the, the come the calm down whatever they, and I don't really like to watch that because uh, you know it gives me good poems. He's excited, but at the same time, it's like you know like uh, that's that's enough. It's nice just to have the memory versus like really. Yeah, I think my kid, I think my kids probably enjoyed it later. So you didn't think you would be on the playoff roster in the NLCS or the World Series? Yeah. Just good with the two catchers with Ross and Wilson. Yeah. And stuff so too. and then I didn't have a good year though. So. I mean, for to catching, I didn't have anyone to catch anymore. You know, I was catching Arrieta and Hendricks. So, so what am I gonna do in the roster? So, but you know, yeah, I ended up being in the roster, and uh, good for them, though. And obviously, like you said, you were the catcher for the final few outs there. And on that final out, you know, when KB throws it across to the diamond to Rizzo, and did you slipped. see? Yeah, did you see him slip? Yeah. And like, what? Can you just take us through your oh, perspective oh, as catcher Lord. for that whole thing? Oh, I go. The good thing was like it happened so fast, so it didn't give me time to like get petrified. I was, I was, I, I mean, like, so it kind of happened fast. But as soon as I saw his lid, I'm like, oh, oh, <laughs> like okay, now it's done. So it was, but yeah, I mean, we all got. 
just had that moment Pass. where like your breath catches. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Bob. Yeah, man, it's uh, it was awesome. What's your message to Cubs fans? And when you interact with them here, like like this at the convention, or you see them, or, or they interact with you, like what do you like to share with them, or, or hear from them, or what would you even like to say to like the whole group of, of fan base after your time? I mean, uh, it took a long time, but we got it done, right? So hopefully, it won't take as long again, which I don't think it will. Though I think uh, they they got a really good group of guys coming up now. The the, the team this year is going to be. Pretty competitive, I think, uh, and, and you know, they've been patient enough, and they've been loyal to the team. And uh, all I have to do is just thank thank them because uh, for the loyalty and the support and everything that I come to Chicago, all the I, I just feel the 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 love, and and I really appreciate that just coming into Chicago. Well, Miggy, thanks for stopping by. We really thank appreciate you. it. Thank you. Get your Wintrust exclusive debit card. Get your Cubs card. Ooh, I'll take one. How much? Actually, they pay you $300. You heard right. Get a $300 bonus when you open a Cubs checking account with Wintrust. Enjoy all perks and purchase with pride every time with your Wintrust Cubs debit card. $300? Wait, what? I'll take $300. $300. Get your exclusive card at Wintrust.com slash Cubs. Only $100 required to open. No monthly minimum balance and no monthly maintenance fees. Member FDIC and equal housing lender. This great stuff from Miggy Montero. One of the cooler things that I thought was in that interview was his relationship with Jake Arrieta and, and being there front row seats to arguably one of the most dominant runs by a starting pitcher, the 2015-2016 run that he had, where, I mean, it, it's no exaggeration to say every time Jake Arrieta went out there, you thought he could potentially have a no-hitter. What were what was the, the takeaway for you seeing Miguel Montero having that front row seat and, and what that was like for him? Yeah, I just think, like, going back to what I was saying earlier, but it, it's cool to get the perspective of the guy that caught yeah. Arietta, you know, this, like, Hall of Fame type of run. And he had one of the best second halves ever in baseball history by any starting pitcher, let alone in a Cubs uniform. So to be the catcher behind the plate, to see all of that stuff, to, to feel that confidence, to know that, especially for that 15 wildcard game in Pittsburgh, Arietta is, like, tweeting, you know, no, it doesn't matter, all that stuff to Pirates fans, like, it doesn't matter how loud they are. To hear Montero talk about how that gave the rest of the team confidence, you always kind of assumed, but it's nice to like get that perspective from right. a guy who also, again, was catching Arietta for a lot of those starts. So uh, I just thought that was a really, really cool perspective. And just in general, like the chat with Miggy is one of the great things about him is he's very like honest and forthcoming. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, that was one of the my takeaways just overall was I thought this was a very cool, frank conversation with him, uh, on not only on his impact but on some other guys like Arietta. Yeah, it was great catching up to, with Miggy Montero. It was great catching up with. Ted Lilly, Darwin Barney, John Lieber, so many guys that we cut up with CubsCon. We hope you enjoyed them. You can go back and check them out anywhere at Cubs Weekly Podcast, wherever you're listening to on Apple or Spotify or YouTube. We have them all. You can go look them up and you'll find them. But that'll do it for this edition of the Cubs Weekly Podcast presented by Wintrust. Don't forget to download and subscribe to the pod on Spotify or Apple Podcasts and check us out in video form on the Marquee Sports Network app and YouTube. For Tony, I'm Andy. Thanks for listening.